This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. Today, I am delighted to welcome Cody Kearsley to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Cody plays Moose Mason on the CW's Riverdale. That's how I came to interview him in early 2017 in the first place, for an article in the West Ender, rest in peace, in which Cody spoke with eloquence and energy about playing an iconic comic book character reimagined for a millennial audience. Unlike in the comic books, Moose is sexually fluid and how... During that same interview, which I believe was Cody's first ever media interview, Cody spoke just as eloquently and energetically about his lifelong passion for the stage. It's a passion that the actor and dancer nurtured in a fame-type performing arts college in Los Angeles, and it's one that Vancouver audiences are finally getting to see, beginning in 2018 with Red Light Winter, the debut production of his theater company, Vagrant Players. So who is Cody Kearsley? Is he Moose? Is he a theater nerd? Is he a dancer? Is he Turbo Jock, the bonkers character he plays on the equally bonkers Daybreak, a surreal series a series about teenagers building tribes and fighting for what they want in the aftermath of a bomb blast that wiped out almost all of the adults, but none of the Gatorade? What I love about Cody is that the work he does on and off the screen subverts expectations about what a jock is, often around sexuality, but more broadly around masculinity, and that you can kiss boys and dance and make theater and be confident in your maleness and beat the shit out of everybody. That's a spoiler about Turbo Jock. We will talk more about him later. So we're going to talk about all of that today. And then some. Cody Kearsley, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. That's okay. A great introduction. I love that. Yeah. So I, as I say, I as I told you before we recorded, I begin with a thesis statement, and mm-hmm. I've had the chance. I mean, I've spoken to you. This is our fourth interview, first for the podcast, but fourth interview in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that thesis statement is based on my observations of of you and your work, and and from those interviews. But how do you respond then to that thesis statement? Did, is how accurately does it reflect how you see yourself in the work that you, that you do? Um, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I like to uh, expand my horizons and kind of have my foot in a bunch of different facets of art, um, just to expand my horizons and expand my artistry. Yeah. And yeah, I have seemed to play because Turbo Turbo is fluid as well. I have seemed oh, to. Oh hell yes, he is. <laughs> I don't want to give too many spoilers about Daybreak, and I I. I was saying earlier to uh, Morgan, your publicist, like I, I was only going to watch a couple episodes, and then I just I lost the entire day. Like I watched the whole thing. Mm. Um, it's a glorious journey, but you know, so I was going to save that aspect of Turbo okay. Jock. But you put it out there. He is well, he is sexually fluid and gloriously it, so. Yeah, <laughs> it starts <laughs> off pretty pretty early on in the season where they 
where one of the golf, I think it's the pilot actually, the golfers, one of the golf team members says, uh, "There's no gender norms in this new world we've created anymore." Yeah. So fluidity is kind of not even something that's really discussed in the world. Just if you're fluid, you're fluid. If you're, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's not. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but um, yeah. So I have been playing a lot of <laughs> fluid. <laughs> Jocks, which are typically known as hypermasculine, so it's a it's a really cool. Um, I guess it used to be kind of a dichotomy. Now it's kind of becoming more. Um, I like. W- would you say? Because I, I would say that like a lot of the audiences for these shows skew younger, right, than mm-hmm. the people who are who are writing them and stuff. <clears throat> like, do you say, like what kind of feedback are you getting from from those audiences? Like, because whereas like you know Generation X, you may be like, whoa, that's like revolutionary. Like you know like kids that are like my my kids age and and, like they'll be like well yeah obviously like that's just the way it is like what are you hearing from the viewers um when i first read i thought it would be i thought it was going to be geared more towards uh kind of a college um young adult uh um demographic demographic sorry i'm tired i'm just waking up yeah (laughs) um (laughs) uh, yeah demographic um but it seems to be younger kids are liking it and also like my mom and and her her generation really likes it because it's the throwback to Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, right? They, yeah. Matthew Broderick is in it, and there's literally one of the lead characters has a yeah. has a day a day off, yeah, as it were. And yeah. I also heard recently, which I really I never really thought about, was the show kind of because they spend a lot of time in the mall. Uh, the malls don't really exist. People don't go to hang out in the mall anymore. They kind, so they kind of brought back the mall, yeah. which um, my mom and some of her friends really like that aspect. They're like, oh, they're just hanging out in the mall, like. We used to when we were kids. Yeah, that is something that I that was so formative in my. Wow, I didn't even get that aspect of it. I'm a little sad and wistful <laughs> all of a yeah, sudden. So there, it's appealing to uh, most to every generation. It seems. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a show. I think that's why they one of the reasons they made it as well. It's kind of a show for everybody. There's, yeah. There's all these different tribes, um, all these different social conversations that come up in the show, so everyone can kind of grasp onto something that they they connect with. No, but I want to hear what your response is to this character of Turbo Jock though because it's like especially like your initial response because this is a guy who we don't know right away who he is to become and honestly like it's a very hard show to describe in some ways. Like mm-hmm. I was telling my husband I'm like, "Yeah, and then there's like a mall and then there's like a Mad Max thing and then he's got like a big <laughs> necklace with all these trophy <laughs> things and then like there's Rizza doing one episode." It's right, like, right. "What is what is and like it's got animation and yeah, what is going on? What is going <laughs> on? You know. So, what was your response to that character specifically, spe- especially after you have come out of, you know, Riverdale as well, playing a, cer- a certain kind of of man, mm-hmm. you know, in a certain kind of universe? You know, what was your first response? I, were you like, I'm typecast, or like, were you like well, excited? I I got the breakdown, and I was I messaged my agent. I was like, you know, I, I I'm I kind of want to break out of. Uh, High school roles, you know, I'm, and I'm 28 <laughs> now. Kind of want to break out of this. I'm not really a jock. I never really was a jock. So I kind of want to break out of that. That's or, amazing. So you know, ne- you were not a jock. Well, no, I played sport. I played soccer and basketball for like a few years, but I think I stopped playing sports around like grade nine or ten. Yeah. Um, but I never really called myself. I was a drama nerd, right? I was. Yeah. Really, I didn't really call myself a jock, but anyway. So I re- read the breakdown. I was like, you know, let's kind of move away. Let's try to expand my um my resume. And then I read the pilot. And first thing I read was him shooting a kid with a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, that's, yeah. that's incredible. That's, that is uh, amazing. Do you, like, what do you think it is? Do you think that, it, that you, you give off 
jock energy like that it's like are you like you like I just want to know what what you think it is about yourself that gets producers excited to put you in those roles and especially these roles that kind of subvert the the stereotype I'm doing a lot of gesturing Mm, I hope you're Um, (laughs) picking up what I'm putting down I think it's I think it's I mean I'm six foot three and like almost 200 pounds so I think it's just my my stature I can pass for a football player yeah um and what interests me is like the internal struggle of characters or the you know the things that are going on underneath um so that's usually what I tap into more that's what I connect with so I I guess it's a combination of um what I'm interested in what I'm passionate about comes through in the character and then also I just I guess physically I look like a football player so yeah well, I get yeah. use that to your advantage yeah um, before we before we talk I want to talk more about <clears throat> turbo jock I want to talk about moose and I want to talk about theater but before we do any of that we are going to get into your time travel vessel of choice DeLorean TARDIS whip the enterprise around the sun Bill and Ted's phone phone booth whatever you want to do and go back in time to I'm assuming the Okanagan mm-hmm. like I, wa- I want to meet like eight-year-old Cody like, what were you like, and what did you love? Oh man, um, I was just uh, so I was I was raised in in Penticton. Uh, it was just me, and my mom, and I I was just uh, a lot to handle. I think I had so much energy, so I was just all over the place. I would just I wouldn't stop moving. I have one of those. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> it's tiring, right? It's exhausting. Um, so basically, I, you know, my mom put me in any sort of like little league like after school like soccer team or and then I was it, it like to burn energy burn like, energy yeah. yeah so I was in every single sport I could I could find I was out playing at the park all the time I was out running through the forest all the time and then I saw my cousins dancing one one year at a recital and I, I think I, this was this was when I was really young this is when I was like three and I was trying to get up on the stage and mom had to keep like pulling me back oh yeah um so she's like let's put you in dance then yeah. So then um, that's a, that's a sign. Like that's yeah. a. <laughs> it's like I want to get underneath the lights. I want yeah. to get up on the stage. Was this a male cousin or a female cousin or a... uh, two uh, twin female cousins? Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, because that was back in the day when it was like dance is mostly the girl thing to do. Yeah, and it was funny because my mom played hockey, I and I danced. So it was it was nice. Um, so we didn't really have uh, gender normal normative uh, roles in our house either. So yeah. which was which was nice. Um, so, so, anyways, I was in every single sport, every single type of dance. I was just trying to burn energy, so I just wanted to do things. And then when I got to school, I was wanted to be more creative. Yeah, I was like signed up for like art class, drama class. I was in band. I just wanted to do. Like, I don't even know if I consider myself like I don't even know if I consider myself a dancer. I did it for a lot of years, but I just want to be creative in every type of art there is. Yeah, I just am interested in different type of outlets. So, at what point did or did you <clears throat> or did you ever articulate? I want to be an actor. I want to be an artist. Um, I assume I, that's how actors say it, right? You, you stand, <laughs> yeah, you stand back straight, and you put your arm out, and yeah. you're like, "I want to be an actor." Yeah, we practice it first in front of the mirror. Absolutely, and then. Do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I always knew I wanted to do be some sort of performer or um, do something creative. Yeah. Um, Were you watching like like film and television and and? and you know cartoons and being like, I want to do that, I want to do that. Like, what were some of the formative I, media that you were taking? Oh, in? I had um, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Do you know this? Um, it's, this is like a compilation of, uh, it has a few live performances, of compilations of like different music videos. Oh, wow. Um, I watched that. I knew like every single routine to every single Michael Jackson numbers. I used to watch like, you know, old Motown uh, 
uh, documentaries and all these kind of things. I would just like Jackson try to, Five, yeah, and, the Temptations yeah. and all this stuff. And I had piano, so I'd always just try to like play piano and sing and like learn choreography when I was a kid. So I always wanted to do something. Yeah. Um, I did a musical theater summer camp when I was twelve. We did this musical called the The Trial of the Big Bad Wolf. <laughs> I can't remember what I was. I think I was just in the chorus or something. You, you weren't the big bad wolf? I wasn't the big bad wolf, Well, you no. get to be the big bad wolf now. I do, I do. <laughs> um, but then I moved up to like doing plays in schools, doing musicals in schools. We did like Crazy For You, did Grease. Um, Who are you in Grease? Danny Zuko. Of, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was, I was, but I was like, come on. I was Rizzo in production were of Grease. Yeah. Do you know Steve Lobo? Steve Lobo was Kanicki. Steve Lobo was Continuum and and a lot of other stuff about town. And this is out east. Yeah, I was a Rizzo. That's amazing. Yeah. I can definitely see you as Rizzo. That's dope. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I still have my pink ladies jacket. Do you? Yeah, it's an that. antique now, like all my stuff from that time. <laughs> yeah, but you but, know, uh, like so. But when you were performing then, when you were doing Grease and Crazy mm. for You, like, did you did you feel like engaged and like like what experiences yeah, that, were you having in front of all the people? Well, I mean, I was always a part of it. Like, even Grace, like, I choreographed it and played Danny, so I was always, like, as much uh, as part of it as I possibly could. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I also have Tourette, so, like, I have these twitches. Yeah. You might hear me, like, sniffling like that. I'm going to do it more. Um, but when I'm on stage, I never did it. I always felt, like, I still don't do it. I still don't do it when I'm acting. I yeah. always feel the most present and the most uh, comfortable when I'm in the character, when I'm performing something along these lines, you know? Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what that, I wonder what that, is it's just the more is present it? I feel, the less I have these uh, uh, ticks. So, oh, that's ever that. since I was a kid. Yeah, always whenever I'm on stage, I don't do it. How did you? So, okay, so I know you love theater, and mm -hmm. I know that I mean you're doing what you can to to uh, build up and shore up and contribute to the Vancouver art scene, and mm -hmm. you're also working in film. Like, how do you manage that? You know, working in in both realms, and are you using the same kind of of skill sets or is it like is it using different parts of of who you are as an artist um yeah it all it all um in, enforces each each other the other thing um i'm really i've been really lucky that i it seems to match up where i can do a tv project and then i have a gap where i can produce a play yeah and then i do a film project then i can do another play it it, se it seemed to line have uh, lined up so far yeah um some some things you have to push back but no it really because i it really enforces everything because acting on TV and acting in theater are very different, but there's skills that <laughs> complement each other. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? So every time I do a play, I actually go back to TV or film with a great understanding of of of, the, of my craft, yeah. right, or my process, um, and vice versa. And then also, if I direct a play, same thing. You kind of see it from a different angle, and um, so then when you're acting, you're more aware of what. The outside, what the outside world is seeing as well, so you can adjust yourself, and yeah, it all just—it's all—it's all important. I think we should do it all, right? There, direct act. We've had a f few people come into the studio who who have mm -hmm. left theater behind them, you know, for whatever whatever uh, reasons, and who who feel compelled, you know, and they they long to go back, and they miss mm -hmm. what it brings to their life, but you know, they don't feel that they can they can make the kind of room. Do you do you see yourself like always having both or yeah I, I try to do a play at least once a year I think that's a Vancouver mindset too like I have so many friends here that's just like well we we're just waiting like we don't have time because we could get a call but I, I just don't think we can focus on our career like that because then you just you'll be waiting around forever I waited for three years to book something after Riverdale yeah if I've been waiting like oh what if I get a call for a one-liner yeah you know I would I wouldn't have opened a theater company I wouldn't have done all these really cool projects 
Yeah. I personally need to do a play a year just to respark my creativity because there's nothing like living out a full character's arc or living the whole life all at the same time on stage because yeah. film is so start and stop and and it's not consecutive. So, and also the immediate gratification of the audience, like playing off the audience's energy, like you don't get you don't really get that on TV, right? So no, it might be months later, and then it might be on social media. It's not yeah. the same. It's not the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And when you're on set, like, I mean, it's been a while since I was Rizzo in Greece, a couple of decades, <laughs> but I remember that you, feeling. You always remember that feeling. It always sits with you. There's no, there is no feeling like that there, feeling. There really isn't. Yeah. Um, but and then also on set, like there's so many people who just get trapped in what they think they should be doing outside of the actual craft of it, yeah. what they think they should be doing with social media, what they think, what kind of roles they think should be taking. So then because it becomes people just talking about the industry yeah, and it's rare to have conversations with uh, fellow artists about, oh, what, what, what's this story about? What's this pro what's your process like? Yeah. Those conversations become um, few and far between yeah. after school. So theater, I find, uh, kind of resparks those conversations. Yeah, yeah, I know. Reminds I'm, you of what type of artist you are. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think a lot of people go back to, I mean, even if they are series, you know, regulars or, you know, they have like award-winning careers, they still go back to class, you know, because that's oh, yeah. where they get to have fun and that's where they get to... Yeah, oh, I'm a lifelong classer for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I usually jump in like Andrew Macro's class if I, yeah. have, uh, if I have some free time. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I do. We, we should. We we have to pay our respect to uh, to Moose and to Riverdale because I, th I I get the sense that that was a a paradigm shifting role and mm -hmm. experience, you know, for you. So, uh, and I also feel like I, I feel like I'm part of your origin story because I was your first media interview. Mm -hmm. And what I just remembered is you were, you were going to call me. And you called me like 15 minutes early or something, which like was amazing because nobody is ever, nobody's oh, really? ever, they might be like one or two minutes early, but you were so raring to go. And then you, oh, it was. It I was, was nervous and excited. You were, was, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was, and it was so wonderful. I, I, I'm so happy to be part of that origin yeah, story for you. Me too. But I mean, that, that was, was awesome. that's like, that was like almost like what, like three years ago, I mm -hmm. guess, you know? So, yeah. so um, I guess the same <clears> kind of question that I asked about Turbo, then like, what was your, what was your first reaction to that role, and um, and how did it change you? I mean, it was my second booking ever. Um, first actual like uh, you know character with the storyline because I had one line on Power Rangers before that. Yeah. So this is my second uh, you know legit character. Like I knew this comics. I knew Moose. Like this is gonna be a big thing. So you so. you were a fan then. Of, oh yeah, yeah. Of Archie and yeah, my cousins used to have all the comics. So when yeah. I went to their place, I would read. Uh, I would read all of them. Were these the same cousins? <laughs> no, different cousins. The... Okay. Cousins that, yeah, yeah. They're, they're different cousins. That's amazing. The impact that cousins have had yeah, on your yeah. life. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But I, I was raised by some, or not raised by, but I was raised with uh, alongside some of my cousins, right? So I thought they were my sisters, and yeah, you know, until I was old enough to understand they weren't. <laughs> did you, so back back in the day then, uh, reading those comics, like, did you have a favorite? Did you have feelings about Moose back in the day? Um, yeah, he's always he's funny. He just came in <laughs> once in a while. He said his only line was usually "duh." <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was really more. Like, it was more like "duh." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which I haven't got to say on Riverdale yet. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. But oh, no, you said some him. other good stuff. I've said, I've said some you other got to stuff. do a lot of stuff that that incarnation of Moose never got to do. Yeah, I'm gonna make up with a lot of guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess just Casey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so second role. You come in, yeah. 
Did you have like expectations about about or were you just more like happy to be there? Like, t- t- tell me about your first day. In, oh, in first that day universe. was so cool because um, it was the first day was a table read and the whole thing I was I was nervous because I don't know anything about this industry. Yeah. Right. And um, so the big the biggest thing about it was just kind of getting into the industry and figure out what or getting on set and figuring out how to um, behave on set because you know you don't learn about that in theater school. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't even really have any on camera classes, so it was all kind of new to me. I didn't realize how big crews were. I didn't realize I didn't know how to read a call sheet. I didn't yeah. know any of this stuff. Um, so I get to my table read, and I sat beside Lachlan Monroe. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> who I have known since you know since I was a kid, watching yeah. him everything, and uh, literally everything. everything. You open his IMDb, and it just scrolls yeah. and scroll, and it's up here, and it's down south, and it's yeah, yeah. it's horror, and it's comedy. Everything. He's a legend. Yeah. Yes, there's so, an Expo legend, you know. Yeah, so I sat beside him, <laughs> and he turns over, he's like, hey, I'm locked. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Uh, <laughs> my name's Cody. And he kind of just uh, took me under his wing a little bit and was just like, explaining this is a bit of table reads, like blah, blah, blah. was just kind of talking to me. and Because even, he's just a nice Canadian man, he's too. He's so nice. Even on <laughs> set, too, like, you know, he gave me some ins and outs of the what to do, what's going on. I love yeah. hearing that. Yeah, he was he was lovely. Um He's a good down-home Canadian boy. Yeah. He recognized that in you. Yeah, you yeah. Because we talked about because he, he, I think he goes up to Naramata for the summers, and that's in the Okanagan, so we yeah. talked about the Okanagan. Um, he, I think he was in part of a golf tournament up that, there. that absolutely sounds like Lachlan. Yeah. yeah. Golf and hockey, right? Like, if he's not acting, those are his, yeah. those are his main things. So, yeah, it was, a, it, was a really, it was a really cool introduction to being on set, being in front of a camera, and being around people who have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So, I guess if you could... Because we have the time travel device at our disposal. If you could go back in time then to your very first day, right before you go into that room for the table read, and you get like a minute to give yourself some advice, you know, about either being on set or about Riverdale or about what to expect in the coming years, like what would you say? That's my time travel voice apparently. What would you say? Or would you not say anything at all? Because that's an option as well. Because sometimes, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. Um... (laughs) It's too much power. I probably wouldn't say anything because I like just for the good and the bad, uh, letting it unfold and experience it as it comes. But yeah. if I had to say something, I'd probably just say, "Don't take it too seriously." Yeah. <laughs> don't like, take-, take take yourself seriously. Take your your own work seriously, but don't take the the thing itself seriously. Don't yeah. take the industry itself seriously. Yeah. Because it can uh, kind of, and I've seen it happen. Can kind of get to your head. Can kind of get to you a little bit. Yeah. Um. And as far as because I know that there a lot of people love a lot of people love Moose. I don't think you've been very active on Twitter, uh, but no, I, I just got Twitter. Yeah, I saw like very new. <laughs> I know because I was like, I, I, you will go on your Twitter and see that I yelled at you a bunch yesterday because I was like, oh my oh, god, really? episode five of Daybreak. Oh my god, that was the Rizzo one, and then episode six happens. So like, oh my god, episode yeah. six. Um, but you know, there's a lot of love for for Moose on <laughs> on social media. Like you know, his journey especially has been mm. like exciting and heartbreaking. You know, for a lot of people, like what you know despite you're not being on Twitter very much. Like, what, what kind of feedback have you heard from the fans, and how has it touched you? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I have been kind of under the radar uh, the whole time being out. Because yeah, I remember, this is funny, even in, I think it was season three, so I got a couple of people message me, just fans of the show, that were like, oh, congratulations on booking uh, Riverdale. Welcome to the show. You're going to love the love the cast. <laughs> like, I've been on since a pilot. So I have been like a little bit oh, under man. the radar. And I don't really look like I do on the show, right? When I'm clean shaven, I look a lot younger. Yeah. But um, the 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 best messages I've received have been, 
different different kids, especially kids who are athletes in high school or middle school that have reached out and been like, hey, this is it's been really tough for me. Um, but th- this characterization of Moose has really helped me like get the confidence to uh, be open wh- with my sexuality yeah. or open with my parents about you know uh, who I truly am, and also still have the courage to still remain, you know, like. There's always the stigma of being masculine if you're playing sports, right? Yeah. Still being able to play sports, but also being true to myself. So yeah. those kind of messages have, have been the the best part about it. Yeah. I mean, when you when you were in high school mm. and you were you were pursuing dance, mm. um, like how, how did and and performing and mm-hmm. and other stuff? Like I went to a performing arts high school. It's a very specific. I mean, it's what you expect. It's it's going to be mm-hmm. right. It's fame, you know. So it's very. It's you know, like it doesn't matter. You, like you can just be yourself in the high school. Just kids but singing in the hallway, yeah. playing. Well, and I was in high school a long time ago, but it was right when Rent came out, and so like that was us. Like we were just like all day long, every day, yeah, you know, like yeah, just yeah. singing, singing stuff from Rent all the time. Yeah. Um, but like, what what about like what was it like, you know, for you being that that artsy, you know, dancing theater teen, yeah, and, go, well, and going to high school that wasn't a performing arts high school. <laughs> well, I went to school in Oliver, and I took dance in Penticton. So my friends were kind of separate. I don't think many people really knew that I was performing. Was that by design or was that just because that's where the school was? A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, It wasn't up until I started doing plays in in high school that, which the first play, the first musical I did in high school was Crazy For You in grade 10. And that was kind of first when... I was like, oh yeah, I've been performing for years. No <laughs> like, you go on it, you like, you you shuffle off to Buffalo, you right, do a right. pirouette, and they're like, what the heck? Yeah, because um, <laughs> like was, I know my Gershwin. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I was I was still juggling sports and and dance a little bit at that point, but I don't think many of my friends really knew that I was performing as much. I was, you know, because it was still there's still a stigma behind it, and I still still was a, still a teen going through puberty. I'm still you know not as confident as I am now. Yeah. Um, but around grade 10, 11, then I just really didn't. Oh, you can't swear here, can you? Um, I don't fuck really care. Yes, oh, we can? Know you can okay, swear. I didn't really give a fuck. Yeah, so no, no. It's a yeah. It's um. We have an explicit. We earn our explicit content okay, rating cool. on Apple Podcasts. I've gotten trouble for yeah. swearing before, so I've oh, been monitoring no. myself. No, you can you can do it. Okay, you can cool. do it. Um. Yeah. So I just I really need care. to make sure this is an episode that my daughter doesn't listen okay. to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. Because it's time to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk. Uh, I want to talk more about Turbo Jock yeah, and the experience of, of filming that. Because I think more so than most characters, like you've got to wear the coolest stuff and be on the coolest vehicles. And I want to uh-huh. talk about like some Absolutely. of the the experience of of uh, doing that. And um, I also want to talk a bit more about your plans with vagrant players and with the in the theater world mm-hmm. here uh, and you know because it's been a few years now and mm-hmm. I want to see if your your goals and ideas and aspirations have changed in that time now that you're more battle worn honestly I'm looking at you and you in my mind you're actually turbo jock and you, <laughs> you've been through some stuff so yeah, yeah how's that for a cliffhanger okay we'll be right back this ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. 
The fish fight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. Okay, I, I promised that I was going to give some more love to, to Turbo Jock, which is, like, that's that's the name, right? I feel like those, like, it's like you have Turbo and then you have Jock. And then Turbo it's like, Bro Jock. Turbo Bro Jock. All three of them. That is just like, I just feel my chest getting hairy <laughs> right. while you're saying that. Yeah. Um, okay, so so I'm assuming that during the break, a lot of you went and, and binge watched the entire, <laughs> the entire f- uh, first season of Daybreak, uh, which is, that's based on graphic <clears throat> novels, right? Yep, there's a graphic novel yeah. called Daybreak. So not only is this your second uh, Jock role second fl- fluid jock role but mm-hmm. this is also the second role that comes from the graphic storytelling medium yeah. Isn't that wild that, and yet couldn't be more different right yeah 100 yeah so um your your character undergoes a bit of a, a physical transformation mm-hmm. and um one of my my favorite ways to see turbo bro jock uh is i i don't know how else to describe <clears throat> it except as like a mad max traveling convoy of mm-hmm. like s- ridiculously souped up vehicles with like the you know so let's so for, give me the 411 on filming then where did you film and tell me about the experience of of shooting <clears throat> those kinds of scenes yeah so we filmed in Albuquerque New Mexico okay that seems incredibly random and perfect so you shot everything in Albuquerque everything in like, Albuquerque even the mall stuff they so we shot at the uh, one of them. I can't remember the name of it. We shot at one of the malls there, but they also rebuilt the inside of that mall in the studio. <gasps> so all this stuff, post-apocalypse. Yeah. Um, that was all in like a mall that they had built in what? the studio. It was nuts. It was huge. Um, so even like even the um, there's like a skateboarding scene where they're skateboarding in the mall. That uh, that one I think was in the actual mall. Oh, yeah, because okay. they, they went on a little bit too far, but. Um, all the stuff where Eli's signs or had relabeled all the stores, yeah. all those internal shots when we break into the mall, like all the Josh break in, yeah. that's all in the studio. Yeah. Wow. Not so yeah, we shot in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which I was like, oh, it's a desert. It's going to be warm. Didn't bring any um, warm clothes. Freezing. It was so cold <laughs> and our characters don't really wear many clothes no. and we're outside all the time. Oh gosh. So there's like, you know me, Jante, who plays Mona Lisa, and like 50 men and women who play the bro jocks. Yeah. Um, freezing. Yeah. There's like snow on the ground. You can see the fog and uh, the, our, you can see our breath in the yeah. air. And if you look behind the cameras, everyone has like three layers on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the first day I got to set was the day with the uh, uh, blood balloon battle. Yeah. Um, I love that there are people who are just committed to listening to this episode all the way through and are then going to start watching. And uh, <laughs> I love that they're listening to these kind of details out of context. Oh, yeah. yeah so, yes, the blood balloon battle. <laughs> yeah. So the blood balloon battle was my first thing ever. And that was I've never been on something that big that, of this scale before. So I pull up. I sit through three hours of makeup. Yeah. 
I get my costume. Well, I'd done a fitting before, but like with the the gold, the gold necklace, the gold, the football statue chain. That's I love so the rad. shoulder pads. That I can't I wait like. to see the cosplay that is in, that your role oh, inspires. Wait. That's gonna be rad. Was that was that necklace really heavy? Were those like actual like plastic or? They metal? were they were plastic. The whole thing was heavy. The whole thing was probably yeah. The whole thing added a little bit of weight on me. Yeah. Um, which was good because. I mean, to stay warm, when he looked at us behind camera, all of us had, like, weights or were doing push-ups or pull-ups or punching each other or just, like, roughhousing yeah. to stay warm. And also because we were just trying to get into uh, battle, you know? Yeah. Because you know? um, that's how your character communicates for several episodes. It's just... Uh, yeah, he's grunting and yeah. screaming. Um, but anyways, the first day I got was the bloodbath battle, and we got up on the truck where we stole that high school theater throne which i'm sitting on <laughs> and we come around and they have, the, they have the best stunt team on daybreak yeah uh, these guys um on the motorbikes and the dune buggies and the golf team so we had we had like you know 50 jocks and yeah. we had like another 40 50 gu- ghoulies the zombies yeah. crew of like you know over 200 250 people it was massive and wow so i'm sitting up on this throne we had drones we had cranes we had it was nuts um yeah, that was my first day on set. Oh wow! And so, so you—it was actually you on that on that throne. Then it wasn't—they uh, didn't switch you out with the. No, no, no. I, I tried to do as many things, stunts as I could. Yeah, like the fight at the end, I did. Yeah. And how did the experience of <clears throat> of putting the having the makeup put on and wearing that affect your performance? You know, because I'm assuming you do some rehearsals and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. without and then you get into it. Like, how did like what kind of impact did that have? Yeah, well, I had. Luckily, this is really rare for TV, uh, or for what I've found at least. I don't know. I'm still pretty new, but I had about a month and a half to prepare for it. Oh, okay. So I had a where, where I had the first episode. So I did a lot of prep for it, but there's there's only so, once you put the makeup and the and the costume on, there's there's just another layer. There's another thing that like snaps into place. You're like, yeah. oh, this is who he is. Yeah. And I really found the body, right? Especially the body. Um, so sitting there for three hours, the first time, putting the prosthetics on um really helped me get in the mindset of just like the pain yeah and the the fear and the resentment and determination all these things of survival um and what it was like to actually have those burns happen to me yeah so i got into that place and then putting the army the armor on i just got really aggressive and really like dominant yeah you know what i mean and then i got the battle axe and same thing so it was really cool yeah yeah, he kind of became an action, an action figure. Yeah, uh, in that way, I hope and there's an action figure of him. Yeah. He looks pretty. <laughs> he looks. Oh, I saw a knockoff. Um, the writer of the graphic no- novel, he found uh, Brian Ralph. He found a knockoff Turbo Mask at some random market. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, a knockoff one. Yeah, too. It, was, it was like Jock Bro mask. Like they weren't from Netflix or anything. It yeah. was just like it said Jock Bro masks. Oh, that is that's so. really rad. <laughs> you know, um. People who have not watched the show and are listening to us talk about it, uh, it is. I would describe it, I guess, as like an mm-hmm. action horror comedy, you know. And they use a lot of different kinds of storytelling, and and yet, like even though there's a lot of hilarity, there's a lot of you know big themes as well, and very big emotions. A lot of which you know come together in your character, and he does some pretty awful, awful things, awful. And I guess like that qu- that question, like I I'm wondering for you as an actor. Playing somebody who has done awful things, do you do you find that you need to empathize with a character like Turbo Brojock in order to play him? Yeah. Do you have to understand? Tell me about that kind of relationship to his his life. Yeah, of course. I mean, no one thinks that they're the bad guy. Yeah. 
Um, Turbo's really, he's not a bad guy at all. Like, he's, you got to remember, this is a new world where death is a common occurrence. There's so many, there's, unex, there's you know, unexploded nukes. There's zombies running around. Yeah. There's other kids, like, killing each other. There's other tribes. Death is a common occurrence, and you have to rule with an iron fist if you're going to protect people. Because yeah. if they step out of line, y- you know, you're going to get eaten. Yeah. So I got to make sure that... Literally. Literally. So I got to make sure y'all <laughs> stay in the parameters of what I've created of this of the society that we've created you know yeah so if I have to kill someone in a gruesome way to set an example how many kids is that going to save right so I'm really he's, you know he's not a bad guy he's doing the best what he knows how to do and yeah. he's doing it the best way he can I love it and I, I will will say that I am um, I don't know how many people have done this but uh, there's a there's a moment where um, uh, turbo gets up to give a speech but it's just like it it's just like it goes like yeah. you just see like the these like thousands of words flood the screen really mm. really fast and he just stands there um i i did do the like i paused and then i oh, read every single they have it written out somewhere <laughs> online yeah oh they they did someone, someone tried to grab it, yeah. <laughs> i thought that um, i thought that was was good and i read them like oh okay i kind of see a bit more where he's coming from yeah. and yeah yeah that was that was terrific um as far as the th- like i don't know it's weird it's like we're we're switching between like you know t- TV and theater and TV and theater and it's almost like putting on a different kind of hat. Do you feel that way? Like it's just it's totally different because I want um, to ask you about like the the theater work you're doing now and it's like do you, do you, like it's it's the same, right? It's all it's all you. Yeah, for uh, acting wise, it's I mean the process is the same. Yeah. Well, the process is never the same, but the 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 exploration is the same. Yeah. Like I do the same type of exploration, the same amount of work for no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, the execution is just different. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which yeah. I've found more on Daybreak. I've I've really gotten to, like, I'm still I still consider myself new to film, but I learned a lot on Daybreak just of about camera angles and picking up on different things of just like slightly turning your head this way, especially with the mask because mm. you can't always see my eye. So I had to be really aware of where the light was and where the camera was so you could see my eye and it wasn't covered in shadow. Yeah. Right. So um, there's just a lot more technicalities when it comes to film. Yeah. And I, so I guess especially with that, that role too, I mean, there's like what, some of my favorite moments of episode six. Uh you're not speaking. You're just like looking, and I'm reading subtitles. Mm-hmm. And you're, but like, yeah, that was some, that was some top notch acting you did there. But <laughs> so you. that was that like, did that require the same kind of preparation as when you are going to be delivering text? <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. Because you still, you're still, I'm still thinking the lines. Yeah. Well, actually, that was a weird one because they they actually that was all kind of changed around from when we did it. So yeah. Some of the subtitles are a little bit different than what was originally written. Oh. They kind of re-edited a, a, a little bit of that episode. Oh, they changed it in post. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so there's a little bit of backstory about him that was taken out as well, oh. which I hope is will be um, revealed in the second season. Yeah. Now, has cool. the second season been announced Not yet? yet? Or? Not yet. Oh, man. I need a second season. I mean, I'm sure you do, yeah, and other people season. do. But like, there's so much more story to tell. <laughs> I know. We're okay, I'm. We're not going to say what happens at the end. Like, okay, let's. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, that's that. The especially the last. Like, I did watch the last like 30 seconds yeah. a couple of times. You know, after because I'm oh, like, really? wait, cool. did that just happen? Yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay, I do want to talk about theater, but before we get <laughs> it, so your dad in the show is played by Joe. I can't say his last name. Manginella. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, great. yeah, and he's another one who has you know made a career. Playing like you know big yeah buff his cr- first role was Brock in the Tobey Maguire Spider Man amazing Isn't that wild amazing and he went yeah. to musical theater school too yeah he went to um oh I'm gonna 
I think at Carnegie Mellon, but don't quote me on that. Okay. I think he went there. Wow. Yeah, he did. He went to Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. So, so um, what was he like as a scene partner? Incredible. Then? Yeah. He was incredible. Um, we actually met the day before, and uh, we went out for lunch, and we spent like three hours just talking about character and about life, and yeah. you know, just chatting. He was great. He was so cool. Did and he we, give you any kind of like life advice or career advice or anything, especially somebody who, with who you have so many things in common? Yeah. One, you do look related, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as well. But you know, the musical theater and the yeah, yeah. you know, and, the, and playing those kind of roles that subvert ideas around masculinity. Yeah, yeah. No, he really did. It was just nice to see someone of that level um, keep their work ethic and integrity yeah it was really it was really lovely to see yeah. and uh perfect casting yeah really smart casting <laughs> he makes me feel so short he's like yeah. six five six six or something Is he really he's, he's massive and yeah there's a scene there's a part where he just grabs me on his shoulders i'm like you're a big dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i you're looking up you're yeah. you're a big dude people can't see that we are getting cameras in here it's one of the things that we're crowdfunding for oh cool uh as well um okay Vagrant Players, mm-hmm. what is the status of your theater company right now? And what, what does the future hold for your theater work? Um, yes, yeah, so we're actually producing a play at the beginning of next year. Um, Bill Marchand has written this incredible play. Yeah. And we're uh, producing that one. Uh, oh. It's called Pot Kettle Black. It'll be at the PAL Theater. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to be really fun. Yeah, um, no, is it is it a drama, a comedy, an action horror? It is a horror? Dark, dark comedy. Yeah. It's uh, essentially... Uh, um, I don't know if I'm the right person to be telling the synopsis, but I'm just going to say it's a it's a dinner party where uh, something happens at the beginning of the dinner party that kind of makes all the various relationships unravel and makes the people unravel. I love how you're smiling, like yeah. the biggest <laughs> smile as you're talking about this dinner party gone sideways. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. very fun and very wild and and. Oh, so it's a world it's hilarious. a world premiere or a Vancouver premiere? World premiere. We he's never put this play out before. That's that's yeah. incredible. Okay, so you want to get into like Yeah, like, we well we want to we want to promote Canadian works, right? Yeah. We started off with uh, I've always wanted to do Red Light Winter. We started off with works that people kind of knew to bring in audiences, but now we're focusing on Canadian plays. Yeah. Um but, How are you finding the Vancouver theater scene that you've been in, in now for a couple of years then? Uh, it's weird. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very weird. There's like not really an off-Broadway scene. There's a lot of community community theater, a lot of, um, you know, just get together and put up one play. Yeah. There's, there's uh, a few companies starting up now that are, have been around a few years. Yeah. But we need more of that. It just, it's so hard to get funding here. And yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of organizations that don't really help support new companies. Yeah. So we kind of got to build from the ground up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there's also it's also really hard to find plays, find plays, find theater spaces yeah. that are that good size. Yeah, you know? so we're in the works of creating something that will kind of you'll be able to look up what's going on live music wise, independent theater wise, big theater wise. You know what I mean? Oh. So we kind of want to give it a little more cohesion to the indie arts world in Vancouver. Um, Oh, we're really simpatico in that, eh? Like yeah, building, yeah. building our own thing. Yeah, and that's why I love coming to talk. We can't wait for other people to do these things for us. We exactly. have to do it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, as, and there's as another, an audience for it. Yeah, and there's another Vancouver mentality too. Is like people don't take anything serious uh, unless it's been successful somewhere else. And it, you know, if you're successful in LA or New York, and then you come back to Vancouver, everyone's like, "Oh, cool! Now we'll jump on board." Yeah. But it's just like this mentality we have that you know we are good enough to do it ourselves. We can do it. Yeah. You know, we just have to have that confidence in ourselves. Yeah. But anyways, so um, uh, we brought on um, incredible artist named Jessica Charbonneau. She's a, a, a co-artistic director of the theater company. Okay. Um, so she's been producing plays as well. Um, 
we just did Disgraced on Granville Island yes. in the summer. Do you know the play? I I know the play. Um, I know you had a Jordana Largie in yeah. that you know as well. Yeah, no, I was away for, for the time that you you had it, but I know that it was an incredibly paradigm shifting role for for her. And she was great. Uh, that is some challenging material, yeah. political and juicy for actors yeah. Yeah. as well. So I w- no, I was excited. Yeah. to so, see that you were bringing that. Yeah, we're still moving forwards. Um, we are moving into more just uh, Canadian world premieres yeah. and local artists. I love it. Um, also opening up in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'm producing a play in LA. So we'll be eventually we'll be having Vagrant Players Vancouver and Vancouver or Vagrant Players Los Angeles. Yeah. Is that an indication of how you want to 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 spend half your time there, half your time here? Or? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Build I the live, life you want, right? Yeah. I mean, I had five. I spent five years there, so I have a lot of really close friends there. Yeah. Um, and you know the theater scene there. I know the theater scene yeah. there much is. I know the theater scene much better than I know it here. Because yeah. here it's pretty hard to break into. People are kind of like in their own little bubble. Yeah. Um, hopefully not offending anybody. Um, no, I mean it's. I mean, speak truth, yeah. right? You know. I mean, I I I make a lot of comments about what the media here yeah. looks like, and that's the reason that I've built my own right. thing. Well, actually, I went to the Run and Gun Festival. The other day, have you been there? Uh, I've I we're a supporter of of Run and Gun. I I judged. Um, you went to the. Uh, the uh, blood and guts uh, screenings, right? Of That's all what the it horror was. Yeah. films. What's the difference? So the, the Run and Gun is, um, well, they're like the production uh, company okay, okay. that does it. They're, and they do also one that's a non horror themed 48 hour oh, okay, film cool. festival. But yeah, so. Um, blood and Guts, that was my first time going. Um, but they, yeah, they, they, they are given 48 hours to um, make a five minute horror film. Yeah, and, and they're they screen incredible. Them all. Yeah. But one of the things they said spoke so true to me of like most of the industries in Vancouver. It was like. <laughs> Uh, he was like, "We gotta stop celebrating mediocrity." That's I know you're t- you're you're quoting Joel McCarthy, who is the producer of that yeah, festival, yeah, yeah. who sat in that chair and said something oh, very did he similar. Really? Yeah, yeah, I loved it when I <laughs> when he said that. I, like everyone started to because it really is what it is. He said that you know? at the Leo Awards when he won an award as That's well. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, he's uh he's a shit disturber. That was my thesis statement about him, but gloriously so. I love that. You know, yeah, he's, that. he's, yeah, stop celebrating mediocrity yeah. that we can do better yeah. and we should do better. And there's just, there's so many, there's so many resources and grants and stuff available. They just, they, they seem to, there's certain people have a monopoly on them. It seems, yeah. it seems really hard to get them when you're up and coming, Yeah, you know, which I think is what those should be for is up and coming. Yeah. So uh, that's why we just have to keep doing it. Yeah, and you just find have to other keep ways grinding. to do it. Yeah. So we found our own ways to raise money. We found our own ways to, you know, do everything really. Yeah. Um, we're just, yeah, we're still grinding. It's our we're in our this will be our third season. Yeah, this will be our third season. It's your third season already. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um it'll be our fifth or sixth play, I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think this will be our sixth play. Yeah. Okay. So if people are listening and they want to get involved in some way, become a supporter, see a play, where do they go? What do they do? Um, you can go to our Instagram, uh, just at Vagrant Players. Yeah. And our website, we're we're just relaunching a new website uh, coming up soon. Uh, just www.vagrantplayers.com. Okay. Um, and we're going to be having a big uh, rebranding relaunch party in early in the new year. I love it. So we'll, we'll, I think we'll we should have it. rebranding relaunch parties every year. We should, right? You know, that shouldn't be like a happy new year. It should be just rebrand. This right. is what this is what we're doing this year. Yeah, just updating. Yeah, that is terrific. Okay, I. Uh, I, I love to end on this question, um, and uh, it does have a swear word in it, so okay, cool. know, it, we earn our explicit <laughs> content advisory. But um, <clears throat> like, do you have, or when do you have what these like, what the fuck, this is actually my life 
moments, you know, specifically related to the industry. And if if you do have those, like, when do you have those? Oh, I have them all the time, yeah. but probably more bad than good ones. Yeah, no, this is, this is about the good ones. <laughs> this is about like, what the, I can't believe I get, to, like for me, I have it in this space. I can't believe I get to do this. Right, I can't believe yeah. I get to podcast next to a bookshelf filled with my old toys. You yeah. know, like this is, I cannot believe this is my life. It's so fucking great. Yeah. So um, what about you? Or, that, or is yours that you get to sit here with me and sit next to all it my is, little toys? It is, it really is. <laughs> no, it really happens to me all the time. Um, I don't know what, I, th- I think I kind of just get blinded. I just kind of get lost in my own, I mean, I'm a Pisces, so I'm kind of living in a fantasy world anyways. Okay. So I kind of just get lost in the present and just kind of go. And then when I get there, I'm like, oh shit, I'm really here right now. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. Every time I book something, I, I you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think that's why they happen. I don't really think about consequences or what's going to happen. I just kind of dive in, yeah, and then see what happens. Then usually it ends up, ends up in the place that you never expect. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about we, you talked before about staying present. Yeah, and, you know, and you're committed to staying present. So. Experiencing the ride. Yeah. But the last the last one was actually the last one was I just shot a film in Georgia with Bruce Willis. Whoa! Which was like the gnarliest <laughs> experience of my life. I'm not going to say too much about it, but one I I appreciate the fact that you use gnarly because uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a word that needs to really make a comeback. Come um, to Bruce Willis, I mean, part of so many people's holiday traditions yeah. as well. Now that Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Can can you tell us like maybe you can't tell us about what the exact project was, but uh, you know. Oh yeah, no, I can. It's a it was an indie sci-fi film called uh, it was called Anti Life, and now it's uh, renamed as Breach. Okay. Um, Ooh, and and were you um were you a jock uh, wrestling with fluidity and not. toxic masculinity? <laughs> I was not. I broke out of I broke out of the mold. <laughs> nice. I, I was I was a uh, essentially well this synopsis online anyways. Um, me and my wife and unborn child are going we're leaving earth behind earth has been you know it's set like 150 years in the future and the earth is basically done for yeah and we are on uh, a shuttle to go to our earth 2.0 essentially it's called new earth um so we're on this spaceship and bruce willis is on there and we get attacked by aliens and yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) chaos ensues like Die Hard in Space. It's like Die Hard in yeah. Space. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us yeah, uh, here today. Okay, so Cody, where can our listeners find you on the social media? Um, Instagram is at Cody Kearsley and Twitter is, I don't know, what is it? I think, I think it's, it's Ke- at- Kearsley at Kearsley Cody. Probably. It's either at Cody Kearsley or at Cody Kearsley. We will put links to those (laughs) social media accounts in the footnotes of our... I got to learn how to use that more. Yeah. But Twitter? Yeah. I I use it all. I mean, I I think I have like 20,000 tweets or something. Really? I I just don't think what I have to say is that important. I'd rather post pictures. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, but I also... That's how I take in information. That's how I stay up to date on how how people feel about things or about what's going on. Like, you know, if you... Like, yeah, I'd rather look at... Look, look at how people see the world and I don't want to hear their politics then Instagram yeah. is great but if you want the politics and you yeah, want like, to know what to get mad about right. Twitter's the place I like I like reading it and, and uh, you know looking looking over it but I, I just never know what to post yeah I'll, I'll get better at it okay okay well if anybody has advice uh, for Cody about how to use Twitter uh, you yeah. can send it to him <laughs> or what kind of content they want to see right? 
Right. You're like, yeah, no. Okay. Well, to you, our listeners, we say uh, thank you. Uh, we ask you to like and subscribe and leave us a review if you are so inclined. Uh, they help us find even more listeners. Uh, you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Firminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Firminger. We give special thanks to Tyson Braddock and Paul Firminger, we're family business, for technical support, and to Dane Devalet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! <laughs>